you're listening to hashtag no filter with zach peter welcome back everybody i'm really excited just because today i am back from dallas and i was in dallas with two very pretty boss ladies that are going to help me that are going to help lay down the law on today's hashtag no filter one you may remember from our debut show i have back on the show today uh my good friend the philanthropist of all things LA and she travels all over the country and she is the executive director of Generation Rescue and Candace, you have so much going on. <laughs> Please welcome back Candace McDonald. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. And my other guest is a TV goddess that has produced every this produced several TV shows from the Jackson Family Dynasty to the hit Bravo show Married to Medicine. I also have on today's show Miss Jody Gomes. Hello, thank you for having me. I love the word goddess. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Jody? I'm well. You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> How how has it been since Dallas? Have you gotten a chance to settle back in? I actually have not. It's been a whirlwind. Um, Dallas was wonderful. And as you know, I kind of did a touch landing there. I landed and participated, and I got right back on a plane to come back to Atlanta where I'm filming. And um, just have been nonstop advocating and filming and just praying all at the same time. So yeah, <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> I love it. And Candace, you're already traveling again. You've uh, been no. Well, you didn't even fly home after Dallas. I did not. I flew to Chicago and then I went to Vegas and now tomorrow oh. I leave for the New Kids on the Block uh cruise with um with Donnie and Jenny. So, it should be fun and a, and a bunch of our donors that have uh very much helped Generation Rescue over the years. So, yes, and the the whole Autism Education Summit went really Really well. Everybody seemed really happy with it. I think so. I think it was a great opportunity for all of um, the community to get together. And we were so fortunate to have an amazing group of um, celebrity keynotes, including Jody, who's with us today. And they were able to inspire, you know, the over 800 attendees that were there. So I think that's, you know, one of the most important parts of of the summit. That was crazy. And Jody, you are awesome on the panel. I I tweeted you. I told you, you stole the show. Oh, my God. Thank you. You know, when you're in that environment, you really can't quite tell what's going on. There's a lot of lights and a lot of wonderful people in the world and in the room. And you just really just want to be transparent, and that's difficult. But it was such a wonderful, warm, inviting audience. And then Candace did such a great job taking care of us, making sure we got in, and it was a smooth transition. It was a smooth event. And she's just a total rock star. So whenever she needs me, I'm there. Well, thank you. We can't wait to have you back again. Yes. Okay, so let's move into our first topic, which is our pop, our weekly pop culture fix. It's called Swipe Left, Swipe Right. Um, and so, Jody, how you play this is basically we have topics that we'll go through, and if you um, if you love the topic, you swipe right, and if you're not feeling it, thumbs down, you can swipe left. Okay. Okay. When you say swipe, am I on my computer or what am I doing here? I'm on the phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a play off of the app called Tinder, which I'm okay. sure you've heard of, right? Right, yes. So with that one, if you like the person, you swipe right on your phone. And if you don't like the person, you swipe left on your phone. So we're um, pretend, well, how do, how do you say? You're yeah. just saying whether you swipe right or swipe left on the topic. Okay, I will shout it at the top of my mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you, can, you, can ver- you can over um, over the phone, you can 
move your finger left and right to swipe left <laughs> or right. <laughs> and we'll just pretend we, we, we feel we feel your vibe in studio. <laughs> so so the first one, um, the Kardashians have been named America's first family. Candace, do you want to start? Swipe left. Thumbs <laughs> down. I'm so sorry, but you can't take the first family from the president and the family of the United States. Uh, that's my my one point, and I'll leave it there without getting into all the minutia <laughs> of the Kardashians. No disrespect to Chris and no disrespect to the girls because, you know, I think Chris is amazing and is built in a phenomenal fempire, and I'm happy, and, it, you know, that is great for them. But I think there's certain things um, that I would uh, – do not agree with in saying that they are America's first family. Oh, yeah. Jody. Are, are we going to be PC or can I just kind no, of... No, we are not PC. <laughs> <laughs> You're on hashtag no filter. Go for no it. No filter. Let me rip my filter the F off. <laughs> <laughs> Swipe left. <laughs> for two reasons. And I agree with Candace. I love Chris. I love Kim. I've known them personally for years, so this is not about them. Mm-hmm. It is about the magazine taking a phrase that is always reserved for the family in the White House. And <laughs> that, yeah. whether it's the Obamas and Bush, who I kind of don't like, in the, or the Clintons, whomever, they are—they earn that title, and I don't think the Kardashians have. But what the Cosmo magazine should have done is put some sort of phrase at the end of that. They could have been easily named America's first family of entertainment, of reality, mm-hmm. of agree. fashion, but not just blank, <laughs> new. And on a personal note, I work with the Obamas. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think... I mean, I think if they they phrased it like TV's first family, which is a bit of a stretch, or reality TV's first family, (laughs) that I'll give them. But I think America's first family, and if that's America's first family, like that's kind of... Do we really want to perpetuate that to the rest of the world? Do we really want to say this is the family that we put on an altar and consider, you know, the representation of America? I don't, I totally swipe left to this. (laughs) I'm not digging it. Um... Yeah. yeah, thumbs and hand all the way down. Just left, like, left, yeah. double left and left again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next. And Jody, I want you to weigh in on this one, um, only because I think you are the, the TV queen. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, you've produced, I mean, how many shows now? You have a li- an impressive list of TV shows um, that you've, uh, TV shows on, that have been really successful that you've produced and directed um, or just been a part of. I have. I've been very lucky in my career. I've I've been doing this since uh, 1990, not to date myself, but I've produced and or touched or directed a lot of great pro- programs, and I'm very proud of them. From Nickelodeon things, I have two Emmy nominations. Wow. Um, I, I try to stay more on the family-oriented stuff until mm-hmm. reality TV took over, and hey, I have a mortgage to pay, <laughs> so I got right. on board. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, as it relates to TV shows, I am obsessed with Game of Thrones. Really? Oh, oh my God, that is my show. I, I wish I had written it, directed it, starred in it, been a PA, anything. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. That is my favorite yet. show. It's addictive. I'm obsessed. I love that. <laughs> okay, so you're obsessed with Game of Thrones. What's the one TV show that you totally swipe left to and wish they would just take off the air already? Well, I'm going to have to be the controversial person today. And Go not for it. Piggyback off the Kardashians, but I hate I Am Kate's 
not because of the topic, but because the show sucks. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm so glad you said that because that, okay, because when it, that was my swipe left show is I Am Kate. I've been up and down about this show um, since it started. The first episode I I was a little impressed with. And then after that, I, I mean, I just lost total interest and it's just the whole, I mean, it it totally sidetracked from what I think the message of that whole docu-series was supposed to be. And now it's just another trashy reality show. Pretty much. I mean, I concur. I think, you know, I think Kate and Bruce are bigger and better than that. So it's just a bad show. And I think there was such a a bigger expectation from Caitlin after the Vanity Fair article and after, you know, the big coming out that she did. And then I feel like she just kind of tarnished that reputation by bringing it down to just the trashy TV level. Lowest common denominator TV. Boo. I agree. (laughs) Boo. But you know what show I am totally obsessed with right now? I'm really liking Scandal right now. The new season of Scandal, I am 100% on board with. Um, The last couple of seasons dragged a bit, but this season, I think I'm totally, totally loving it. I know. um, That's... Candice. So I'm split. I am obsessed with Scandal, and I'm also obsessed with Homeland. I haven't seen um, Homeland. I love Homeland. And maybe it's because I was a poli-sci major. I have no idea. But the <laughs> show totally has me all of the time. But I agree. I think Scandal this season is phenomenal. Yeah, and I just love really seeing a strong up. female character in yeah. a nighttime show that is reaching, you know, millions of Americans. That For me, that, that does it. And it's well executed and she's smart. And I just... I also happen to love Kerry Washington, so I think that's part of it as well. <laughs> I have a confession. Yes, I'm the TV person on this phone, but I have never seen one episode of Scandal. What? I know. Take me off the phone, right? Oh, my God. That is... Jody's biggest confession. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I never saw I Am Kate, even though it's on my DVR and everyone has watched it at my house but me. <laughs> Sadly, I know Carrie, too, and I see her a lot, and I'm like, girl, the show's great. (laughs) In one second of it. (laughs) That's funny. Have you seen How to Get Away with Murder? I have. I've seen everything under the sun but Scandal. I just can't. I have a DVR. You know, I have a Just haven't seen it. And I think I got lost in the – I was filming in the first season, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. And then it became so big that I felt like I was just behind, and I never caught Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. It's one of those, I, I I actually didn't start watching it when it first came out, but I think I came in like on the second or the third season, um, and I've watched it ever since, and I totally love it. Maybe I'm I'll totally binge watch obsessed. this weekend. You need yeah, to. Yeah, it's a good binge watch. It's definitely a good binge watch. Got it. <laughs> Ooh, Jody, boo. <laughs> so Jody, I want to chat with you a little bit about about the different um, TV shows that you have produced. You've produced everything from like Jackson Family Dynasty to to like I mentioned Married to Medicine, which is hot on TV right now. Like everybody is obsessed with that show on Bravo. Um, you know, since you have such an impressive list of um, of projects that you worked on, what what would you say was your favorite project to work on? I have to say by far, I have two that that weigh in really deeply for me. One was one that people barely saw, and it was on TV One, and it was a makeover show. And I loved it. It was called Makeover Manor. And I think we reached like 30 million people. It wasn't a big network at the time, but um, I did it as a favor. But the show was really, it was the first African-American makeover show on television. And we made over so many women, and one particular woman in, in, in particular 
she was an older woman, probably in her 50s or 60s, and she didn't say a word through the whole entire process. And, of course, a makeover show takes two or three days to, to do. Mm-hmm. We spent all this time with her. She never said a word to us. We couldn't tell if she was happy or sad. And in the end, we did the big reveal, and she came out, and she started to cry. And her mm-hmm. tears basically, she said, you know, in 40 years, I've never been touched. And I said, wow. what does that mean? And she said, when I was 11 years old, I was raped. And this is the first time I've ever been able to let not just one person, but multiple people touch me. And that changed me forever. Just, wow. just that moment changed me because it wasn't about the aesthetics on the outside, but that we touched somebody that deeply on the inside. So I, that show has always been something in my heart. It sucks, but it's, it's a great show. <laughs> it had right. a lot of meaning behind it. And then I would say the dynasty, Jackson Dynasty. I've known that family since 92. I met Michael first. And I actually was one of the um, executives on their first movie that they did that was based on their lives, and that's how I, I met the family. And I've known them for years, and when we filmed Dynasty, it was we, we were midway through it, and Michael passed away. Mm-hmm. And it just changed everything. And I just from them, I learned how to just have tough, thick skin. You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I, I'd always had a strong backbone, but I wasn't thick-skinned as they were. They take thick skin to a whole other definition. And so I learned a lot from them. I got to travel the world with them. I, I met kings and sheiks because of them. And, you know, when you work with icons, it changes who you are fundamentally because they've seen and done everything. And just working hand-in-hand with Michael and his kids and Mrs. Jackson was just life-changing. And I had already known them for years, but working that closely with them in their intimate space like that was just wonderful. And now I can't get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Once you're really good with a celebrity and you add a lot of value, you're always their person. You're their point person no matter what. (laughs) They actually just launched last Friday. We just launched another show with uh, Tito's Three Sons on Lifetime. And I'm not executive producing it, but I set that deal up for them so that they could make a show out of themselves. And we're waiting for ratings today. But, like, my journey with them just has not stopped, and I'm thankful for it. But that was a really difficult show and a fun show at the same time because we had to film his funeral. And then we had to recover with the family, and it was just a big deal. So how did that affect the dynamic, actually going through losing one of your primary cast members in the middle of filming? Well, not only did we lose a primary cast member, I mean, he's the most famous or, man yeah, in the world. Exactly. <laughs> right. and, and an important piece of the family. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I think the biggest revelation for me and everybody that was around them, and then people that didn't know them but got a chance to sort of absorb the process, you got to understand that they really truly are a family, and one of their fingers was missing. You know what I mean? One of their siblings yeah. was gone. And to this day, I spoke to Marlon today, as a matter of fact, uh, Marlon's the next oldest brother over Michael, and they're still affected by it. They're still sort of grieving publicly and privately, and it's just a delayed reaction. And so I'm there for them. Um, You know, for a long time, my kids didn't even know Michael had passed. I think it was three years later, and they finally understood that Michael had passed because they were so young and they knew him personally, and I didn't want them to know. They just didn't understand how he was in the TV, let alone gone (laughs) so you know at one point it was like he's in person at our home he's on tv and now he's in heaven it was just too much transition and it was too much all at once for three and five year olds but you know it's just one of those things like you just kind of pick up and you keep moving and i just learned i swear from mrs jackson i learned how to be tough like mentally tough and not let anything touch you and i think that helped me deal with my son's autism as well Mm. just to sort of circle back around because Michael died on June 29th, and a week before that, I had got my diagnosis for my son. 
And so I was devastated in a personal way, and I wasn't able to share that with the Jacksons or anybody wow. that I was in production with. Right. And then Michael died, and it was like, good Lord, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Right. So it was a lot. It was a challenging project, and we finished it, and we debuted with 3.5 million viewers, which has not been broken yet. I think wow. Wahlburgers was like 3.3. That's amazing. We're on, Congratulations. We're on the same network as the Wahlburgers, which I'm glad to say. <laughs> <laughs> they did not break our record, and I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. I would be I would be a little frightened if it did break the record, to be honest with you on that one. <laughs> They came close, dude. They came, they came close, but we, we still hold that record. <laughs> I imagine, though, that as a family to share your, especially with something so intimate as losing a family member and having to share that on TV, that's obviously something that I don't know if I would be able to do something like that. That has to be a, I don't know, was it, do you think it was cathartic for them to go through that process on, on such a public level and filming all of that? You would think so, but no, it was not. Not at all. Not at all. It was invasive. It was uh, disruptive. It, it was, but at the same time, our cameras were probably the least amount of their worries. They had right. the world looking at them. Yeah. Right. CNN was stalking my home. So, you know, they, they had everybody looking at them. So I think my cameras just were part of the white noise. Mm-hmm. But I was there in front of the camera helping them get through it and, you know, just dealing with it. But it was very intrusive. And, you know, but they live in front of cameras. I mean, right, when you talk true. about a family that is the first family of <laughs> reality, they lived that reality in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s before there was reality TV. Right. So, you know, I, it, it's hard to answer, but I think at that point it was very invasive. There were times where um, I think Michael, Michael's body was left out of the ground for like eight, nine weeks before we actually buried him. And there was so much trash, and TMZ was killing us, and, and CNN was knocking our hair down. Everybody's criticizing Mrs. Jackson for take, and the family for taking too long to bury Michael. Like, everybody wanted a big to-do so quickly. Mm-hmm. But we were waiting on autopsy results, and there was a part of his brain that had not come back yet. And she simply just wanted that piece to come back so she could bury her son whole. And we couldn't say any at the time, we couldn't say that. And so we just yeah. looked like we look like assholes, you know, and then the fam- everybody's coming after the family, like, oh, they're making a big to-do, they're dragging it out, and they're, you know, just media hogs. It wasn't yeah. that That's at the all. hardest thing about media today is that it's so instantaneous, and no one really knows the true story of what's going on behind right. the scenes. Right, and then you, you, could, you could account for the true story, or you can be quiet, you know, mm-hmm. and we just yeah. chose to be quiet and just let it go away, because once you feed it, you fed a monster, and it right. just keeps going, and... You know, so there was a lot of decisions we had to make that were very tough. And then for me, I'm outspoken, so I was just uh, fuming for like three, <laughs> four months. I was just like, let's just say something. I can't take it. <laughs> but so, they were professional. They held their heads high, and they cried in private. They, you know, they threw up on the floor. I mean, there was a lot that went on yeah. that wasn't on the show that was just devastating for them. So understanding the process and in following these families or following these people's lives, would you ever consider putting your own life out on on TV like that? Then I said no. Now I say yes, because television and reality television has changed drastically since then. I mean, it's only been in, I think that show was in 2010 or 11 or something. So it's only been four or five years, but... TV has changed so drastically, and it's much more fun. Like, there's a lot of toxic shows where people are, you know, one step away from killing each other on live TV. And then (laughs) there's fun shows, and I think all the family shows are really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if I did, I would do something that was fun and, you know, eye-opening, engaging, and just sort of offbeat. 
I love that. Um, are there any new exciting projects that you're working on? Uh, yes. In fact, there are. There's one where I'm working with a family now. They're a family. It's an African-American family full of doctors. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a take on Ma- Married to Medicine, or I should say like a spinoff of Married to Medicine. And um, the family, there's several brothers that are now doctors, and they're moving their very uber-religious family into medical marijuana. And oh. so that is controversial as hell. And oh, yeah. I've had everything from their mom, who's a reverend, lay hands on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm destroying their family. I and, love you it. know, it, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot my of God. Fun. I love it. When is that coming out? It looks like we're slated for, we just finished the pilot two weeks ago, and we're slated for February 2016. Wow. That's yeah, exciting. Yes, it is. That has to be an exciting process to to start to meet these families or to meet these individuals and then to to follow their lives and get to the point where it actually you have a a premiere date. It's a long process. I I always tell people I live two years from now, like everything I do today doesn't happen for another two years. So Mm -hmm. I'm always looking in the future for the next thing, which sounds crazy. But everything I work on, you know, everything that you see airing today happened two years ago. So mm-hmm. it's it's just very it's bizarre. I've been working on this one particular project for over a year, and so it's it's not new any longer for me. But so mm-hmm. by the time it debuts, you're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you're sort of over it at that yeah, point, and on to the oh, next. It's <laughs> like the worst stage of like, didn't I see that before? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I lived it. <laughs> so Jody, like we mentioned, you were on the the celebrity keynote panel at the Autism Education Summit um, that we just finished in Dallas. So, do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about what brought you into this autism community? Absolutely. Um, as I've said many, many times before, my son was diagnosed on the spectrum when he was age three. Uh, we saw a lot of things happening between age two and three that we knew were just quote unquote off. And um, one of the, you know, I was buried in a myriad of misdiagnoses, no diagnoses, no roadmap, and sort of miserable. And I was working with the Jacksons at the time on the Dynasty Project. So I think I Googled something, and I found, and I remembered seeing Jenny, uh, Jenny McCarthy on maybe Oprah, her and Holly were on Oprah, talking mm-hmm. about this thing called autism, and I just kind of it went in one ear and out the other. And I Googled, and I found Generation Rescue. And, um, you know, I started watching old videos of Jenny and Holly, and Generation Generation Rescue had so much information there for me that I needed it in such an immediate sense. And the biggest thing is it gave me hope. And um, the more Generation Rescue was growing, the more I was getting more information and sort of double-dipping, you know, watching Jenny's walk and sort of replicating it in my life. And so Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for everything that Candace has done and everything that you guys have done at Gen Gen Rescue. And certainly um, Jenny will always be a huge part of my family uh, for the rest of my life. So I dove in deep, and I I said to myself, if I I ever found any kind of path, that I I would open it up for other people or I would throw a rope back and pull people with me to the finish line. And so that's why I got into the community. And that's why I founded my own foundation, which is Wake Up for Autism. And Wake Up stands, it's an acronym that stands for World Awareness, Kid Empowerment, Uniting Parents for Autism. And I just, mm-hmm. it's really all about parents sharing information with other parents and just educating ourselves together in the quickest way possible. I love that. I love, I, I love when you, because I think, 
it's funny, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day about families, you know, when you receive that autism diagnosis, and you go through that whole, um, you know, process of acceptance, and then moving into finding resources for your child. And there, are, there's the ha- half of the community that doesn't want to say anything and that wants to remain quiet and wants to hide the diagnosis and that maybe, you know, sees progress with their child and then they want to kind of just move on with their lives. And then there's the other side, you know, like you and like Jenny, who are very much wanting to use their platform and wanting to share their story and share their testimony. And I love when I can find when I see families like that or people like you and, you know, Don and Ryan Newfeld and Ryan Blair and Jenny um, and, you know, all of the different and Jacqueline and Chris. Larita, you know, that were all at the at the summit, you know, sharing their story and using the platforms that they have. And everybody has such a different platform. You know, everybody has their own niche, so to say. Um, and and I, I just I love that. I want to thank you for for speaking up and for supporting organizations like Generation Rescue. Well, if Jenny had not done it, and I wouldn't be here. So, you know, I think we have an obligation to help other parents and to be each other's partner in this. Um, I I always tell parents, and I speak a lot about autism, and quite frankly, I was one of those people that wanted to hide it initially. Mm -hmm. I was devastated. I had no idea what to do. Um, And my first instinct, and I remember one of the first people um, that gave me some guidance was a very major agent in Hollywood. And I I was in tears, and I was like, I just found out my son has autism, and they gave me the worst prognosis that you could ever think of for his future. And he said... I'm going to tell you this once and one time only. Don't tell anybody Don't your child has autism. At all. You'll never work again. And, you know, and at that point, you know, I had two homes. I had mortgages. You know, it just was yeah. like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> so <laughs> then in my, you know, unapologetic way, I was like, F you. I mean, this is my child. I'm not going to yeah. hide from this. It is what it is. And so two parts of me were, were born at that time. And one part was just this very unapologetic portion of me that was like, I'm not going to hide the dynamics of my family. It is what it is. And so if we leave tears everywhere we go, or if we leave stimming flaps everywhere we go, like, it's too bad. <laughs> That's my world. Like yes. We have wrecked shop at, air, at airports. We have traveled all over the world and left our mark. <laughs> I love and I that. just feel like, you know, instead of hiding and being afraid of autism, I feel like every experience when we touch a new person, whether it's good or bad for them, is a teaching moment, you know, mm-hmm. because it's what I deal with. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, and I'm not going to hide it. I can't hide it. And um, so I always tell parents, take a AAA. You know, AAA is always great for rescuing people in our cars, and so I always mm-hmm. tell people to take a AAA approach with autism. Accept the diagnosis, adjust your life, and advocate for action for your child. Those are the three A's that I hang on to to this day, and it's a challenge every day. It's a challenge every day. No matter how empowered I feel or how much knowledge I have, it is a challenge every day. And I have tons of resources, but I still feel alone at times. And, you know, it's, it's a big, big journey, and I applaud every family that stands up and goes through it. But the reality is we have no choice. So we might as well do it together and get to that finish line, whatever it may be defined for your family. Right. And when you're willing to advocate for other families and be open about it, there's a community that then embraces you and you sort of become stronger in numbers and not, I mean, like thinking of the celebrity keynote panel that's grown over the years. It was just Jenny for a long time. (laughs) And now to see eight of you up on stage two weeks ago is, you know, for us, it's very humbling because 
there's a group that are that are doing this and moving forward and that's so inspiring to all the other families out there particularly the dads who are having a hard time with those three A's, right? Yeah. The, the, the biggest one is acceptance. Right. Um, but once they get over the acceptance, they're able to adjust and to advocate. Uh, so thank you for being willing to be open about it because there are definitely many very well-known Hollywood stars, agents that we have helped over the years that are not willing to be public. And it really does make a difference when you're um, willing to be open and share that. And I know many, many, many of them. And it, it breaks my heart that they won't be public. My, my son has had play dates with some very famous children that are on the spectrum that will never, ever, mm-hmm. their parents will never say that. No. On the yeah. It takes a very unique person to be willing to step out into the light in a different way. Absolutely. Right. How is your son doing, Jody? Well, today he was a little bit of a jerk, but <laughs> which means he's doing well. That means he's doing great, right? Because that should pro- exactly. that's like the age-appropriate behavior. He totally, totally neurotypical day, and he just wore me out. <laughs> he speech and everything has been a huge um, challenge for us since day one. So speech, we yeah. had a great speech day today. And I wanted to tell him the STFU, I swear to God. <laughs> so, you I know, I can't that. win for losing at my house, and I just embrace it all. <laughs> I love it. Now, I want to close out the show with just two quick questions for you, Jody. One is, what's the, for, uh, what's the one thing you want people to know about autism or the one misconception that you want to clarify right now? Well, I think the biggest misconception is that it's like a death sentence. You know, every yeah. time I see anything that's on the news, it always seems like death is at the end of it or it's paralleled with that. And it's not. Um, my son, we're fortunate to be able to live a happy, healthy life despite some of his disabilities and some of his um, uh, delays that he has. We actually have a semi-normal world. But you have to accept that your normal is different from everybody else's, and then you can find happiness in that. And so that's that's kind of one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, that bother me. Um, you know, I think that people thinking children that are on the spectrum and adults on the spectrum don't have a future, that bothers me because they can have the greatest future that you put into them now. They will pull it out in the end. Um, and I just think having hope is the thing that you can hold on to. You know, some cases are more severe, others are, are a little bit lighter on the spectrum, but we're all in it. And you're all, we're all quote unquote different from the normal, but I feel like my normal is the average. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I just tell people keep on keeping on. And with no one diagnosis and no one cause for autism, there's no one cure. So try everything. Yeah, it's, it's a journey. Everything. Absolutely. And then la- the last question I want to ask you, and this was more from a business perspective, what's the one, or, or even personal, what's the one uh, piece of advice that you wish someone gave to you in your 20s? Well, you know what? They actually did give it to me, and I didn't listen. So I wish I had <laughs> listened <laughs> okay. in my 20s. Eddie Murphy told me, I think I was 19. No, nope, I, was, I was about 20 because I couldn't buy drinks, but I was 20, so it was close. <laughs> um, he told me, you know, you're really smart. Um, you're really attractive. You'll do great things in Hollywood if you just shut up, listen, and learn. And I listened, I like and I learned, but I never shut up. And I, just, <laughs> I wish in my 20s I'd shut up just a little bit. <laughs> I like that. What about you, Candace? I think um, mine would have been to network early and always uh-huh. continue all of those contacts that you had made, 
Um, mm-hmm. And keep on keeping on networking all the time, regardless of whether you switch industries or um, or jobs and career paths. But always keep those networks in place because it's Don't a burn really bridges. Yeah, not even that. Like I mean, I think we we all know not to burn bridges now, but to keep those networks in place um, because the world's a really small place. And it's amazing how it all crosses over at some point later on when you're in your 30s and 40s. Amen. Um, The world is a small place. You just nailed it. (laughs) Absolutely nailed it. I've I've met people now in my 40s that I sort of pissed off by not listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Man, are those some great reunions. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today, Jody. Um, I think we covered a lot of really great points, and and I love all the advice that you gave. Thank you for having me. I miss you guys already. Miss you too. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, Jody, where can people find you on social media real quick? Uh, on Facebook, they can find me. All, everything's under my name, so just Jody Gomes, J-O-D-I-G-O-M-E-S on Twitter, and mm-hmm. also on Facebook, they can find me and celebrate my life, which is mostly entertainment and autism. <laughs> well, it's never well, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Jody, and thank you, Candace. Um, thank you. And everybody, go visit Jody on social media at Jody Gomes, and don't forget to visit GenerationRescue.org. Thank you guys for listening to hashtag NoFilter with Zach Peter. Um, We will be back next week and every week after that. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Follow me at Just Plain Zach across all social media platforms. Follow Jody. Follow Generation Rescue. Um, And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hashtag no filter rock. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Thanks, Bye.